Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. I think I'm a hard worker. And because I'm a hard worker, that translates to what I do. Because if I don't work hard, it falls flat. But when I give it my all to really give God everything that I have, because I want to be available to him. I mean, I don't have a ton of skills, but I notice that he uses me when I make myself available to him. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Pett. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. Yeah, I'm Todd Isburner. And uh, hey, Wendy, uh, Miss Positivity, as uh, you are well known for Am all I? Of the- yeah, you really are. Oh, You're okay. always upbeat, optimistic, <laughs> positive, full of faith. But I got to ask you, do you ever feel like you um, want to give up? Oh, gosh, no. What? Wait a minute. I live with you and you are Miss Positivity, but on occasion, okay, there must I am be. just okay. kidding. Right. Yeah. There are times when I do want to give up. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah me too. And yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly why that is. Why do well, we get to the point? You mean, we know the Lord and we've got great things in our lives. Why do we get to this point of wanting to give up? Yeah. I just think we lose perspective mm-hmm. and it, it makes us want to quickly lose hope just because we, yeah, we just lose perspective. Yeah. No, you think about that and it's true. You start to have a, a, a limited perspective and it, it takes you down a place of being very negative and eventually mm-hmm. you start to lose hope. And I guess the real question is, how do you not lose hope when things are really, really tough? Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure it has to do with, you know, it has to do with being convinced that we are loved and yeah. that we are cared for by the one who made us mm-hmm. and that we do have a purpose on our lives, right? Uh, absolutely. That is 100% true. And I really believe that's key yeah. in shaping a perspective that mm-hmm. gives us hope again. And that's exactly what you're going to hear about today because our guest on this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough is Rob Dempsey. And he's just a great guy. He's a, he's a friend of mine, known him for years. And he's going to walk us through some absolutely amazing <laughs> stories of incredible breakthroughs yes. in all kinds of different areas of his life. But you will be amazed and you will be encouraged and uh, you will be well-equipped. I want to tell you just a little bit about Rob. He is a diehard radio guy, been in it for a long time, been at the same station for 25 years. And some of you may even know Rob uh, from the mornings on his radio network in Greenville, South Carolina. His morning show is also uh, live streamed, both video and audio. He's one of the few that actually is willing to go on camera while he's doing his show. <laughs> and uh, some know Rob as the guy who lost 140 pounds. Woo-hoo to overcome obesity. Others know him as the uh, the 16-year-old kid that was literally kicked out of his home to live in the streets as mm. a homeless guy. Mm. And others know him as uh, as being a foster and adoptive parent. So Rob and his wife's kids range from a 34-year-old war hero, 25-year-old social media marketing specialist, a 19-year-old honors college student, and a 12-year-old whom they adopted. 
November 19 or 2009. So uh, plus many other foster children uh, that have come through their home in the last nine years. And I think amazing. that in itself is an amazing story. Yes, yes. So welcome. Come on in, Rob. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough. So glad you could take time today. And I'm guessing he just jumped out of his morning show to, to join to us join today. Us. Yes, we are so excited. Hey, Rob. Hey, so Thank good you. to be here. So glad to have you. Oh my god. Are you a little intimidated because he's a radio guy? He's got well, that radio well, voice both thing of going. You do. So I'm a little intimidated by both of you with these radio voices. I can put have... on my real voices. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, come on now, yeehaw. <laughs> he is from the South. <laughs> I am in the hey, South. That's right. The deep I South. I have an appreciation for it. You know, she's a Texan. So <laughs> she, on, knows that. she knows everything's that. bigger in Texas. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Rob, we're so, so glad you're here. And, you know, looking at your very successful life today with all the amazing accomplishments, it's really kind of hard to believe that you were ever in a place of feeling hopeless and unloved. I mean, it really is. And so, but your story, it, it, it shares um, just really tough and almost hopeless existence. It's it's a really tough story. When I've watched it, I just was in tears. Amazing. But I want you, we're just going to dive right, right into this. Can you take us to like where it all started? Take us to where it began in your life. Oh, gosh. Streets yeah. of St. Petersburg, Florida. That's where I was born and raised. That's in Tampa Bay. So if you know Tampa, it's the other side of the bay where St. Petersburg and Clearwater and the beaches and the beautiful Gulf Coast is. And mm-hmm. so that was home for me for over 30 some odd years. That's where I lived. Wow. Uh, that's where I was raised, kind of raised myself. My mom married a guy uh, who she just kind of fell in love with. He was really messed up. And because of that, when I was six months old, I was already being abused. Mm-hmm. And so it was, and I, of course, I have no memory of that. She left him pretty quick. He was out of my life. And I never knew who he was except for his name because I'm a junior. And so I've always known of this guy. I've known his name. I never know him. I never knew his family. I never knew that side of the grandparents. Um, lived with my grandmother and my mom for quite a few years because she moved directly right in with him. I mean, with my grandmother. Didn't have a grandfather growing up either. So there was no male figure in my life. There was no father figure whatsoever. So I was kind of messed up at the beginning. So when you were an infant, um, did your, your dad left? My dad left. Your birth dad left. My birth dad left. Did you ever, throughout all these years, have a chance to reconnect? Or when I was thirty-three years old, it's a crazy story. We have to talk that story, but all right, keep going. So you you had a stepdad, but you were For living with time. grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, living with grandmother. My stepdad didn't come into the picture. I remember the day when he came into our lives. We we're at Treasure Island Beach. That's in Saint Petersburg. And this guy comes up and looks at me, and goes, oh, so, hey, your, your sister looks kind of fine. I'm like, that's my mom, you know, and I'm, I'm like five years old. <laughs> oh, so man. she kind of liked that because she yeah. paid attention to him. They got mm. married pretty quick. So I had a stepdad in my life. Mm. The guy came back from Vietnam. He was on special forces. He was messed up in his head. Oh. I didn't know that at the time. Mm. So there was a lot of abuse uh, that came out of that. He took out a lot of his wrath on me when my mother was gone working a night job. Mm. And so you, you can't go through life. She, years later, she divorced him. So he was out of my life. But there were broken bones. There was you know, a, a scar in my head that you can't see anymore because wrinkles of age now cover it up. <laughs> Hello, Shani. And, and scars <laughs> yeah. you can't see. Yeah, deep down on the inside that I really had to deal with later on in life. And I'm so glad I did. I had to open up and just get that out and prayer counseling, which was 
oh my word, that dive deep and get a lot of bitterness that I didn't even know existed mm-hmm. and unforgiveness that was in my heart that I didn't even know existed. Talk about your biggest breakthrough. That was a huge breakthrough in my life when I went through that season in my life about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so grateful that I did. But if I were to fast forward into my teen years, I was really messed up. I mean, by the time I was 14, 15 years old, I was already drinking. I always looked older than what I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I, I, I had a best friend who was in a car accident. And that was a night that changed my life completely because that's when I really went off the edge, uh, off the cliff, so to say, because he, he, that, that family meant everything to me. And here he was laid up in the hospital in ICU. And I pretty much walked away from school. Uh, I was living mostly in the streets rather than in home. And my mother couldn't put up with it anymore. I was just that bad, that self-destructive and destructive in the home. I had a little brother six years younger than me from the dad that abused me. The stepfather abused me. Joe did. Um, And my mother couldn't put up with it anymore. And so by the time I hit 16, she said, you are out of the house. Mm, I won't forget the night because my grandmother was standing there. My mom wasn't there. My little brother wasn't there. And she said, you're going to have to pack up, Robbie. That's what she called me, my grandmother. I'm so sorry, but your mom doesn't want you here anymore. And so I went across town. I lived with a good friend, uh, their, their family for a short while. I was still a self-destructive kid, so they tried to find me a place to live. I lived in the guy's garage and then out on the streets after that because I didn't know how to support myself. Wow, Robbie, I got I to ask you. So when, when you go back to that time when grandma told you what mom said, what was your first reaction? Were you angry? Were you bitter? Were you sad? What, how did you respond to this? Your mom. It, it was a variety of different feelings because I really didn't feel loved. She was always gone. And so there was relief. There was sadness. There was anger. There was disbelief. Uh, I, I didn't know what to feel yeah. at that time. Uh, it, it almost felt like freedom in a sense, but yet it felt like abandonment all at the same time. All that mm. rejection that just flooded in all at once. You were already kind of raising yourself, so to speak, yeah. because she was gone working or. Yeah, she had to support two kids. Right, so right. she was gone a lot, mm-hmm. really gone a lot. I was a, a misfit at school, so I didn't really have a lot of friends at school. I didn't have a lot of people to uh, that I could confide in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's still no father figure that's in my life. So there was no direction. There's no place to turn, no place to go. And when you hit the streets and you're on your own, I mean, talk about abandonment and rejection. That was, I didn't feel loved whatsoever. Well, especially that, I mean, at that age out on the streets, I mean, you're mm-hmm. living literally in the streets, you're homeless. Yeah, exactly. Homeless. I'd couch hop from time to time. So every now and then I'd have a roof over my head. I'd be able to rate a refrigerator and I rated it too much that they had to get me out of there. So for how long were you living on the streets? 16 to 18 years old. Oh, wow. So yeah. two yeah. years. Yeah. Quite a few years. So you, you obviously were going through a whole range of emotions and, and questions and all kinds of things. What, what kept you going? What, what prevented you from I don't know, get in even worse trouble or even end in your life. How did you keep going? Why? It was, it had to have been God who was carrying me through all of that and leading me to the right places. I, I found this one church and a youth group that I would visit from time to time. I remember the mm-hmm. youth pastor very well. His name is Keith Kilgore. Uh, and so he tried his very best. Uh, I would be able to go and get spam and other, you know, canned food items out of their uh, shelter or not their shelter, but the food pantry Mm -hmm. that they had at the time. I mean, it was, it was something else being threaded through all of this. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to Christian music. And so he, he got, when I found a a Walkman in a dumpster, he gave me a cassette that was Petra 
more power oh, to you was on it. it. I mean, it <laughs> really? was just, it was so cool for them. That was like progressive rock and roll, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. that you exactly. had no idea that was in a church. I thought it was organ music and banjos. That's what oh. I thought that Christian music sure. was. I didn't think it was Petra. That's hilarious. Oh, and, and to find that in a dumpster, I mean, the, the all, Walkman. Yeah, right, right. The Walkman in a dumpster. <laughs> and, you know, before we even go in this next session because um, or, or season of, of, of your journey, I need to know um, while you're spending two years on the streets, I need to know about were you on drugs? Were you on alcohol? Did you have any community on the streets? Like, were you really alone? I need to like feel that. Boy, so I was still in connection with uh, Landon's family. Okay. So I I could from time to time stay over there, but I couldn't stay there long. Um, I had a group of friends. It was Tracy. It was Landon. It was Lee. Uh, it was Dan. There was a group of people that I that I hung out with a little bit, but we were all bad. That's where I would get my drinking from. That's where I would get the alcohol from. I wound up to the our to the drugs from. I wound up down on the south side of St. Petersburg, mm-hmm. where Landon was in the hospital. Uh, and I found this guy, this sounds like a movie, but his name was eight ball and he dealt with drugs, <laughs> you know? And so he gave That's me, a, a, right there, I know, ball. isn't it wild? <laughs> Pretty <laughs> sure there's ball. a rap song yeah. with that. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's probably made by about eight ball. I don't know uh-huh. where he is today, uh-huh. but, uh, he gave me a nickel bag, you know, which was a bag, you know, filled with marijuana. And, uh, it was, it was like for free. And from there you're hooked. And then you try everything you can to scrape some money together. I wound up working at a construction site for a guy. Um, and so I would be paid daily when you do day labor, you can get paid daily. You know, so I did everything from hanging uh, soffit and fascia and gutters and nailed a few, uh, you know, tile or uh, the roof. You know, I can't, I forgot what the name of the roof thing is. I've been shingles. up really early shingles. <laughs> yeah. So put the shingles up on the roof and that kind of yeah. stuff. So there was a lot of the day labor that I did that I get some money and then you just waste it real quickly, mm. you know, on the stuff that you shouldn't put into your body. Wow. So during that time, had you ever contemplated ending your life? Yeah. So in St. Petersburg or Tampa Bay, Florida, there's this huge bridge. And if you're from the area, you know it. If you visit it, you know it. It's called the Skyway Bridge. The thing is eight miles long Mm. and it's tall enough so that barges can fit underneath it uh, because it's the port of Tampa. And so I would look at that bridge time and time again from some places that I would stay along along the bay there uh, because I had no other place to go. And I would fantasize at jumping off that bridge. Because that was a popular place to go if you wanted to end your life. What stopped you from doing it? Christian radio. A man by the name of Dave Stewart in the middle of the night would tell me that God loves me, that he had a purpose for me, that if I was the only one ever to walk on the face of this planet, he still would have sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. That spoke volumes to me as a teenager. Well, I think that's the message everybody absolutely has to hear, that if you were the only one, God loved you enough that he would have given his life for you. So at the right time, in the right season of your life, there you are, and you were able to absorb the, the, the essence and the truth of that message. What happened after that? Well, sure. I was, my situation didn't change, but my heart did. And I felt different. I knew that it was real once he prayed what he called the sinner's prayer, Mm. you know, and I asked Jesus into my heart. I asked forgiveness of my sins. I turned away from my sins. I just, I just knew I was wrong that I, that I was, I was repentful that I needed Jesus. I needed his love in my life. And I felt it immediately. 
Hmm. I felt it. I didn't change too much right away. I, I was still smoking. I was still drinking the drugs. I yeah. gave up immediately. I'm like, I don't need this in my life. And it was shortly after that, that the drinking was done. Hmm. Um, I found my way back to that church. And then I found a ragtag of people that were meeting in their homes and they were hurt from church. I didn't know what that meant. They just kind of loved me. So I was able to be with that uh, Bible study group for a short season. A couple of those guys worked for the country station that was in town. Oh, wow. And I told them that, you know, I want to do what that guy did on the radio. <laughs> Just like, you that's know, cool. huh? uh-huh. you show me how to do that. And so they brought me into their, their uh, home studio Yeah. and Mark recorded a, what he called an air check. He said, this thing's called an air check. It's a demo tape. And so I sent it to a couple of places. One was WCIE, the station that I was listening to at the time, uh, back in the mid eighties. And then I sent it to their sister station and it turned out to be their sister station, the joy FM that gave me a shot and let a, and let a kid that was live that wow. just got off the streets yeah. to be a part of their team in the middle of the night. So you had absolutely no experience, uh, but you had, you None. had passion drive and enough desire that they thought, well, let's, let's go ahead and take a risk and, and hire this guy. And God knew. And, yeah. and with that voice, I mean, he gave you that voice for a reason. Uh, I mean, that's come right. on, yeah. it's a radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, Thank you. I'm curious though, uh, because you've been doing all this manual labor and whatnot, why, why you decided radio would be something of interest to you. Because of how it was changed, how it changed my life. Uh, I saw that it was changing lives uh, and I wanted to be a part of something like that. All right. So you landed at the Christian radio station and uh, tell us a little bit more about that second part of your journey. You're a brand new Christian. You're, you're living for the Lord. You've, you've got a ministry now on a radio station. Everything is all new for you. And how did things begin to unfold in the following years? As far as how I was able to grow in the field. I threw myself at it. So uh, I, I I remember, I mean, it went from, I don't want to get too technical on people, but you might know analog or digital. I mean, it was all tape at the time that I started and I watched it go into the computer age, so to say. So I threw myself into everything. I wanted to know how to do everything at the Joy FM mm-hmm. when I was there for the season. I was there from 88 to 2000 before I moved to where I am. I've been here for over 20 years now. And so I wanted to learn everything about it. I want to know how to how to do spots on the air, do production. I already had an air shift, so that was that was really cool. They got this big mobile unit, which was uh, which was a a van, a custom van that was converted to be a radio station on wheels. This big antenna. I said, I'm going to learn it, and I'm going to run that thing for you. And so they let me go out, do all the remotes uh, where people were. Uh, went to the concerts. I, I I volunteered at every single concert that was there. And every now and then they let me go. And now Mylon Lefevre, <laughs> which that's an old Christian artist. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just really is, yeah. dated myself. <laughs> People go, I know Casting Crowns. Right. Who's this Mylon guy? <laughs> so there you were learning all the different aspects of radio and uh, feeling, I'm sure, pretty good about not only your job and what you could do, but about yourself because you had higher self-worth and you knew that you were loved by God and your life was experiencing certain hallmarks of success. So tell us a bit about your personal life and what was going on there. Uh, you, you got married, uh, kids, and, and and all of that. I mean, you were, were you feeling as successful as your life was saying you were? No, I, I've never, I, I've always had a hard time with self-worth and, and feeling significant. 
because of the of the abandonment, I think that mm-hmm. I went through, and 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 when I went through the prayer counseling, that brought a lot of that out. Mm-hmm. And so I always worked hard. I always work hard. I I don't think I'm good. I think I'm a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a hard worker, that translates to what I do. Because if I don't work hard, it falls flat. But when I give it my all to really give God everything that I have, because I want to be available to Him. I mean, I don't have a ton of skills. But I notice that he uses me when I make myself available to him, and he doesn't use me when I'm unavailable. If that makes sense, oh, that's uh, yeah. a great word. And Rob, yeah. honestly, the fact that you um, showed up in such a way that you were hungry to learn, you were eager, yeah. and I think that that even speaks to somebody listening right now that just might be coasting. And it's like, no, let's step up. You know, you know, be eager and and learn all you can in order to reach your goals and it may not be that you're the best but you're eager and and your hard work shows and it pays off so i love well, that well thank you yeah um so you know i'm fascinated too by the other part of your story of of i i use the term release instead of losing because it's about releasing emotions you talk about the prayer yeah. that releasing the emotions that are attached to the weight um but let's talk about that 140 pound Rob Dempsey. Yeah, the, you're shadow. I mean, 140 pound more <laughs> Rob Dempsey, should I say? Yeah. There was um, two of me in a yeah, sense. There was two of you. So yeah. let's talk about that yeah. and how did that start to snowball and get out of control? Mm. And then um, when you went through the journey of, of releasing that weight. Well, let, let, let me say how I think I got there. Okay. I never wanted to be hungry again. Mm. Never. So I never turned down an opportunity to eat. I didn't know how to eat well. It was always junk. So I'd get up, you know, first thing in the morning, not eat a thing, not eat, eat, eat uh, a lunch. And when I got home, I ate all the wrong things, mm. not the right things, but the wrong things. Yeah. Now people call it intermittent fasting when you skip a couple of meals, you know, and they call that healthy, yeah. you know, but I didn't put the vegetables or the protein or the fruits or anything right. that was good was for me in me. Fries. Yeah. Cheeseburgers, fries, the Doritos, the sour cream and onions, the uh, the Oreo ice cream, all that stuff was my diet. And uh. I thought, it's okay. I'm eating uh, and I'm living, but I was expanding to a waistline that was almost, you know, 50 inches around. Mm. It was it was something else. So here was the breakthrough moment for me when it comes to uh, the health journey. And it, it was yes. when I was on a roller coaster ride with my daughter. Mm. Amanda's nine years old at the time. And we waited in a, in a line that was about two and a half hours long. That's how bad I want to go on this roller coaster. Listen, I'm from Florida. That's the land of <laughs> theme parks. I love roller coasters. I don't want to miss a ride. But when I got up finally on the ride, I was so, listen, almost 50 inches around. I was, I was in a tight 48 size pants. I mean, and I was done lumped over and I could not, I could barely zip the thing, but I was in denial. And I was not going to go to a size 50. And so they couldn't buckle me in. And after what seemed like I was the Shamu attraction at the park at this moment, because it was silent and people were witnessing, they were trying to strap me in. They really worked hard to strap me in. My daughter holds my, grabs my hand and says, daddy, we don't need to go on this ride. It's okay. Let me tell you that just sunk me so low because Mm. I love my kids. My kids are my life that God has allowed me to have and the opportunity to raise and share Jesus with. And sometimes I, I'm on a mountaintop doing that. And sometimes I drop and fail, you know, pretty late. That's the parenting, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. And so, but that was like, good night. What am I doing here? I can't even go on a ride with my daughter, let alone I'm embarrassed at the pool because of the skin that I'm in and all this other stuff. Wow. And so 
I found out that the town that I lived in was going through this big initiative called the uh, the Greater Greenville Shrinkdown. And two hospital systems joined forces along with the YMCA. And I went to the press conference for that to learn about it. And I walked up at the end of that press conference to the president of the YMCA chapter in town and said, I'm going to be your poster boy. Mm. And so he said, listen, the Y's doing an initiative called Wellness Works. Why don't you learn a little bit more about that? And so I went to it. I learned more about it. And I thought, I want to share this journey, but I don't want to be the guy who is like glorifying the fact that I'm losing weight and you're not. Mm. So I wanted to bring other people on the journey with me. So we made, and this is 2005, we called it Rob's Big Losers. Mm -hmm. Just to let you know, that's January 2005. September 2005, NBC comes up with a great idea called The oh, Biggest Loser. So yes, you started yes, that, yes. Rob. Man. Wow. <laughs> I don't know Hello. if I started it, but it was a kind of a parallel. That. I don't care. We're giving you the credit. I know the guy that started <laughs> I, Biggest exactly, Loser. Exactly. Exactly. It was Rob. <laughs> I called it big. They called it biggest. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so, whatever. So I went on this journey. We had four people at four different Ys, and we, and we went through a 12-week journey, and it stuck for me. And I'm like, I can do this because it wasn't rocket science. All I learned was that I needed a certain amount of servings of fruits and vegetables, uh, of learning to eat the right things, the right amount of proteins, all that stuff. And I started to get a love for endurance sports. And so I ran a 5K really dirt slow, but I finished the thing. And then I did a 10K and then I did a half marathon. And then I did nine marathons after that. I got bored of that, and I did 10 triathlons after that. We're talking but, triathlons okay. where you swim, you bike, and uh, you run. You and run. You run. Yes. The whole deal. Like the, the whole deal. triathlons. Wow. Exactly. Ooh. Exactly. So I started doing those, and I fell in love with endurance mm -hmm. sports. So, so for me, I had to find, number one, I had to learn how to eat. So I eat God-made food, yes. not man-made food. Amen to that. There's a difference between <laughs> the processed stuff and the stuff that God put on this earth in the first place. Oh, yeah. um, and I, I learned that I needed to find something that I love to keep me active. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the goal was learning how to find something I like to be active. It was endurance sports at the time. I got into CrossFit and I did the games and all that other stuff. So I did oh, a variety of stuff. I just keep myself always going. I did cycling for uh, quite some time. I really like the sport of cycling. And so I got involved in that one year. This is, this is really cool. And then I'll, then I'll stop, you know, sounding like I'm gloating, but one year uh, I got with a group of people, there was 25 of us. And our goal was to cycle from Greenville, South Carolina to Austin, Texas, but we wanted to do it for a reason. And that's because most of the people on that journey had somebody in their life that passed away or is battling cancer. They're, they're a warrior fighting for their life. So we raised $250,000 for cancer research. Wow. Most of it stayed in our city. A portion of it went to, at that time, Live Strong, that Lance Armstrong was championing back in 2000. This was 2008 that we did that. The last 90 miles was with Lance Armstrong of our 1,300-mile journey. Oh man, oh, that's so cool, Rob. That is so cool. Yeah. So you, it, you, when you started that whole journey, uh, you, what you were about thirty-eight. Yes, thirty-eight right years old. It's amazing Gosh. because Wendy, you, you work with a lot of clients. But I know people feel like they've got to be a lot younger than they feel that. Like they're too old. If they're going to too, gonna, too if, far gone. Yeah, if they're going to take on a big health challenge. Yeah. But I I love the fact that God used that very painful incident in your life with your daughter. Yeah. To be the motivation for you to get going. I, that that's uh, you know again just a real trigger point for you that obviously paid off. Yeah, and yeah. today we have opportunities to work out together. 
It's beautiful. It's so I beautiful. Love yeah. That. Yeah. And you know what I love too, Rob, is I'm, I'm kind of hearing a theme throughout this interview so far is what you put your mind to, Rob, mm. you do it. Yeah. And you do. it is, it, uh, no, you, you as in Rob. Oh, like, yeah, you, <laughs> not in general, have, but yeah, you have, but it's true too. But yeah, when you put your mind to something and you're really all in, you can accomplish great things, but you are wired that way. I'm seeing that throughout this little story, yeah. throughout your yeah. this interview that um, you're wired in such a way that you you are willing and eager to learn everything and and to step up to the plate to accomplish um, what you deserve and desire in life. Oh, and thank I, you. I love that. It's you're you're really uh, an inspiration. So thank you. Yeah, nothing but God. I, I've got to get the strength from Him to do it. Yes, and when yes. I apply myself, I I get the strength. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those who just not quite sure that they're, they're maybe they're backing off, saying, "Well, okay, all these great things happened to Rob because." He was wired that way, and it was easy for him eventually to tap into that. But I'm not wired that way. I don't have that kind of drive, that motivation, but I'm way overweight, or I'm not as close to God as I'd like to be, or my family life is not where I want to be. What's the first step? What can you, how can you advise them? What's the first step they need to take? To take a step. Ah, there you go. That's what I had to do. I had to take the first step and then the second step. And when I was five step in, steps in, it got a little bit easier. Every day, it does get a little easier, that. Yes, but it's not always easy. No, no. You just got to do it. Like but, uh, One thing about me, I can lay in bed all day long if I wanted to. So I, I have put up, I've put in my mind never to hit snooze. Mm. So when the alarm clock goes off, my feet are on the ground and my day starts. I never hit snooze. It's just another step that I have mm-hmm. to take every single day. So don't hit snooze. Just take the first step. I love just, that. just, just, just have the courage enough and God will give you the courage. If you ask him, mm-hmm. I mean, when we lack wisdom, he'll give it right. Mm-hmm. When you need courage, he'll give it. If you rely it, uh, if you, if you rely on him to yeah. give it to you, he will, he does it for me. And I'm just, you know, some dweeb of a radio guy. <laughs> he'll do it for anybody and he'll do it for you. But you you also, you know, you went through this time 10 years ago of, of releasing some emotions, releasing some, some deep rooted stuff. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's a lot that I work with, with my clients as well. Can you, can we talk a little bit about that? Cause I know that that is such freedom for you. It's Um, a part of my journey. I went through mm -hmm. some prayer counseling and, and the prayer counseling basically, and it's, it's specifically that prayer counseling. And what we did was we dug really deep and went into my past. You know, it's easy to make the Lord the Lord of the present and the Lord of your future, but when but to make him the Lord of the past is really tough because mm-hmm. there's some stuff there. And there was stuff that was so deeply rooted in my heart and hidden so far down, I didn't even realize it was there. I mean, there's the obvious thing that I got to forgive my dad who left, you know, yeah. and I didn't meet until I was 32 years old. I had to forgive my mom because she kicked me out of the house. But there was stuff from there from, you know, from an aunt who had a dirty magazine that I found that I that I brought home and got in trouble with my mom with from from you know kids at school that would bully me that I just buried so deep that I never forgave mm-hmm. and once all these things and it was like hundreds of things that came out and maybe even forgiving yourself yeah that yeah. was a big thing because I blamed myself mm-hmm. and, and and sometimes I still do uh when it comes to my mom because I I hurt her bad. And so I don't, I never blamed her for kicking me out of the house. I blamed me for hurting her to bring her to the point of kicking me out of the house and getting me away from my brother. And so I had to deal with a lot of that. And once, once for real forgiveness came into play, 
on all those different seasons and events in my life for yes. people that I had even forgotten about, but stored away deep down inside in the memory bank and in my heart. Once that forgiveness started to come out, there was more freedom. I think it speaks volumes to people who who have lost hope uh, and who do believe that God can be Lord of my present, even though I'm struggling with that. But the idea of being you know, Lord of my past, that is a foreign concept to a lot of people. But I love the way you have brought us there because whether it's through prayer counseling or seeking the Lord on your own or through an accountability group or something, you're saying don't be afraid to go back because if you go back and let God reveal things, you're going to find a place of freedom that you haven't yet experienced. And I think that there, you know, we oftentimes say, well, just forget the past and move forward. Oh. But there are times you got to remember the past or you can't get free. And you don't want to stay stuck yeah. in the past. Well, you right? talked about, you know, forgiving your uh, yourself, your your mom, your, your dad. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that reunion story with your mm -hmm. birth dad. I'm on the air. And I've always shared my story. I'm on the afternoons down in Florida at the Joy FM. And so I'm, I'm sharing my story about, you know, growing up without a dad and, you know, th those kind of things. And this guy calls me out of the blue and says, listen, I've got your dad's phone number. Do you want it? Wow. I was, I didn't believe oh, yeah, him at yeah, first. Right. No. Yeah. I'm like, let me call you back. Yeah. And I called him after I got off the air. And so for, I mean, I grilled him really hard. I mean, who is this guy? Who are you? How do you know my dad? Uh, it, it happened that he knew and worked with one of his former wives. Mm. and and had his number through that so he gave me the guy's number my dad's number uh i called him asked him a few direct questions that only he would know how to answer huh. and he answered them right mm. and so we're going to meet up with each other and i'm 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 feeling pretty good about it and of course i'm sharing this on the air mm. this police officer calls me and says i listen to you every day rob and i and i love how open you are i have to ask you do you know anything about your dad anything at all. I said, well, I have his name. I'm a junior. And, uh, and, and he left when I was six months old. So I gave him the, I'll just give you the year 1967. So he left when I was, you know, uh, six months old, that was 1967. That's all I know about the guy. He goes, tell you what, I'm going to pull his record and I'll get back to you. Wow. So he calls me and mind you, this is the 90s, so we don't have the phones. We don't have what we have today. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's when printers had this paper with holes on the side of it. <laughs> and the dot matrix is going, you know, all across the thing. Uh -huh. He calls me 42 pages later. said, oh, listen, man. it's 42 pages. This thing is still going. This is what I know about him. And he shared a couple of things about him. Uh, and he said, and I share this with you just so that you walk into this knowing with your eyes open mm. and allow God to, to give you uh, uh, some protection here. And when you meet this guy. And so he gave me some advice. He said, because of the type of person that he is and the record that he has, which he had 19 aliases at the time. Oh, so he wow. had 19 different names. Uh, he said, meet at a common location. He goes, go to a restaurant. And he's saying, bring cash because more than likely you're going to pay for it. And, and the, your go-to will be a credit card to pay for it. Don't pay it for, for the credit card because what he'll do is that he'll walk back in later to get your credit card number. Mm -hmm. It's different than it was today back then because back then you hand your credit card over and they would swipe your credit card in a machine that would imprint your whole information oh, on that, right. down that, you know? And so they had carbon copies and all that other stuff. So all of your information was on the receipt, the receipt, not the X's. And so sure enough, we meet them. Uh, I went with my wife, we met 
40 miles away from my house. I never even told him the city that I lived in. He knew that I was on a Christian radio station because he started to do some research at the time. And so very good looking man. He looks like me. <laughs> of course. Awesome. Of course. <laughs> yes, spit in, very good. Spit looking. image. He has this really deep voice. So he sounds like he could be on the radio. Uh, he had a young lady that was with him as well. Uh, a very charming uh, and the and a con artist. You could hear it in him because this is what the, basically a lot of his record was. And so sure enough, at the end of the evening, oh, let me back up once. So he tries his best to connect with me. He goes, you know, I used to have a prison ministry. And I went, really? And I looked at him. I said, was that before, after, or during your incarceration? Oh. <laughs> and he goes, oh, you heard about that. I said, I only know a few things. I didn't tell him about the police officer doing what he did. I just kept yeah. that very mysterious and didn't didn't volunteer the information. He goes, yeah, I, I wrote a, a few bad checks and I, and I paid my debt to society for it. Well, he did a lot more than that. And I knew it. So at the end of the night, sure enough, the bill comes. And the first time that he can pay his son's meal, you know, his very first time, he goes, oh, I can't pay for this. And I'm thinking... The, the the police officer called it. He yeah, knew yeah. exactly what was going on. God yeah. protected me. Yes. And so I I was in a season in my life where, where I could handle what happened. If it was a year earlier, five years earlier, I would have gave in to all that, especially the kind of person that I was. So God protected me from all of that. And, and sure enough, I had cash and I paid for it with cash, you know? Amazing. And so- after that, there was one more encounter with him, and then he's been out of my life ever since. Mm. Oh, and he paid for the second meal at Taco Bell. Okay. Oh, well, at least he paid for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I love the fact, though, that you God had groomed you over the years to walk in a place of freedom and forgiveness. Because mm -hmm. some people would have come out of that meeting just thinking, you wretched, no good, blah, 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 and start to yeah. feel bitter and resentful. And because of your relationship with the Lord and the experience of his forgiveness in your life, you could offer that to your dad mm -hmm. and you, and you didn't have to jump through any particular hoops or, or do any of that stuff to try to manipulate the situation. I think that is so encouraging for anybody who's struggling with mm -hmm. a past or present relationship where the thing just seems so lopsidedly unfair. You're saying we do have the power and the ability if we will commit to forgiving and love. Yeah. And it's real. And, and how God, for all those years, I had all these questions of why, why, you know, yeah. why wasn't my dad in my life when I was kicked out? Why couldn't I have gone to his place? Mm -hmm. where, where is he? Why is he absent? And that encounter showed me that God protected me for so many years and I could not handle it until that night. Mm, that is so powerful, Rob. Mm. And I think about those that may be listening that um, haven't met their their father or mother, um, and they are wanting to have that reunion. And did you have um, any feelings of, of disappointment? I mean, did you see it flourishing in a different way? Obviously, how did you handle that disappointment? I did. Uh, here's the or beautiful thing: I got to a point in my life where I didn't have disappointment oh, in that cool. encounter. Yeah. What What I had was thankfulness. Yeah. Because of that That's encounter. Awesome. Because I saw what God saved me from all those years. It, and, and I know why I had to go and live in the streets because I couldn't go to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would wound, I would have wound up a very different person That's if true. I, if he was in my life at 16 years old. So I couldn't handle that until I was 32. 
Yeah. Those unanswered prayers wow. that are yeah. actually answered. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's crazy to sound to, to, to come out of my mouth that I wasn't disappointed. I was more thankful and grateful to God. Mm. Cool. That's a great. That's a great perspective. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of perspective that is always going to bring about hope when you face situations that seem to be hopeless or you're up yeah. against the wall. And uh, I and I know you've had help in your life doing that. Certainly, just your your family, your church, your friends. But as, as you look back over the years, has there been any one person who has been most influential in your life? And and if so, how come? There are several people that have been influenced. Uh, that have been very influential in my life. Mm-hmm. One is our leader, Jim Campbell oh. of the radio training network. He's the one that owns the station or is the president. I should say we're a nonprofit. He's the president of the station that I'm at uh, the station that, that I first worked at in Florida, the joy FM. So we're the same family. That guy invests in me every single day, mm-hmm. uh, an hour before our conversation, I had a conversation with him on zoom. Ah, just right here on, okay, on this excellent. very same camera, yes. uh, had a, had a conversation with him. And so he inputs so much in my life, you know, uh, I have mentor. a mentor at the station where I'm at, and that is Alan Henderson. And he helps me be the leader that I am today. Cause I can't do this thing right by myself. I need people to help me and hold my hand along in this journey. And so those two men, very influential in my life. And I'll even go back to that, that youth pastor that, I haven't seen in decades, but Keith Kilgore, who to try to his best to reach a homeless kid. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a First Baptist Church youth group where there's a good, you know, nice fuddy duddies in that youth group. And here I am, some hard knock kid, and he kind of stretched himself to do that. And and you know, I, I owe my life to those guys mm-hmm. who who did that for me, you know, and still do. You can see God's loving hand uh, on your life, and hopefully we all can see that. We identify certain people or certain instances where where God really intervened because of his love for us. Mm-hmm. Before we let you go, Rob, I want to just ask you, uh, if, uh, if you could come up with a word, just one word or a phrase that would maybe sum up the entirety of who you are. A word or a phrase? Come on. Where did you, you get that from? You, <laughs> you can think. Wow. You can think. So somebody asked me because somebody asked me that, and I had to stall for a while while I'm thinking about like what would sum up the entirety of who I am. And you cannot say. And you cannot say. And you cannot say radio guy. Okay, I'm talking about who you are. A word or the phrase that maybe uh, sum up the entirety of who is Rob Dempsey. Faithful comes to mind. Uh, yeah. Endurance comes yes. to mind. Yeah. Not giving up comes to mind. Those are some things that I that I think of. Yeah. You know, at, at, at influential people you were talking about. There's a guy named Bill Scott that's very influential in my life. That guy calls mm. me all the time. Mm. I was thinking about people that I see every day, uh, physically uh, mm-hmm. and involved mm-hmm. in where I'm at. But you know, from afar, you know, Bill Scott is is has been you know yeah. beautiful to me, and he reminds me of those words of of who I am and what I can be faithful and strong and I don't give up. And, you know, a lot of that stuff. He was one of those guys on that radio station back in the day that helped me on my journey to get to where I am today. So cool. So cool. We have loved hearing your story and I know the listeners are going to be blessed big time. And you are such an inspiration. I'm just Mm kind of sitting here absorbing all this and in in awe Mm -hmm. of, of how God has um, worked and, in your life in such a beautiful way. So thank you for sharing your story and, um, and being so faithful and being yeah. so 
filled with um, just passion and, and mm-hmm. wanting to endure until the end. So yeah. thank you. you. It's difference. been such a joy to spend time with you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah. All right. Bless you. Bless big you time. so much. Hope to see you thank around. you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh boy, his story is uh, pretty spectacular. It's it's almost like jaw dropping. Like it really, this there's is... so many different components, yeah. and you want to go back wow. and go, wow, how did he make it through that? Wow, and you, you just have to come back to the fact that God had His hand yeah. on Rob's life, and mm-hmm. He wasn't going to let go, and He brought enough circumstances around, in, including including finding the radio in a dumpster. And, yeah, the right? the little walk, the little walk, little... yeah. So you could tune into Christian radio yeah. and I just, oh man. I mean, God, God will you. reach you wherever you yeah. are. And I yeah. think of the, the Mr. Kilgore, I can't remember the first name, but the, uh, that planted a seed yeah. in him. It didn't take, yeah. you know, in that moment, but yeah. it took down the road. So don't dismiss the, the seed that you're planting in someone, uh, of truth today. Well, and remember too, that if you are feeling, you know, a bit hopeless about something or, or someone in your life, Just remember this, get the right perspective. And the right perspective is God truly does love you. And if you lock that into place in your heart and your mind, you will have hope. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. We will catch you on the next one. Uh, Feel free to share this with um, friends, family that may be blessed by it as well. And um, give us a rating and a review and all that wonderful stuff. But we appreciate you, as always, spending your precious time with us. Take care and we'll catch you on the next one. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment. And we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.